Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. 971 FM Talk Podcast. I don't know if it seems like the Christmas music has been less intrusive this year, but it seems like there's a better balance of Christmas music, non-Christmas music in my household. I don't know what that means, if that's any indication of the trends that we are facing here. I'm Ryan Recker, filling in for Mark Reardon. There's a lot that's going on, and we are watching Congress as they are set to sign in this omnibus bill, omnibus bill, I should say. So the Senate coming to at least some concessions and getting enough Republicans on board to get this thing done before Christmas. In some ways, I wonder, is it just like, okay, let's get this done. I don't want to wait around. I want to go be with my family. I'm not going to read it, whatever. But if you're going to whatever $1.7 trillion, then you're not doing your job. Come on. Joining us now, Missouri State Senator Mary Elizabeth Coleman. Thank you so much for coming on to 97.1. Appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. You grew up in Texas. You came here to attend SLU. Quite the climate differences. Have you got used to the (laughs) snow and the cold yet? Well, I, you know, I think it's because I grew up in Texas that I feel like I like the cold and the snow. If it's going to be cold, we might as well have snow. So, yeah, I'm all in. We're having a nice kind of cozy <laughs> day. Put up the Christmas tree today. It's kind of nice. Oh, wait, today? You waited until yeah. a couple of days before Christmas to put up the tree? We actually, and we put up earlier than we ever have before. Normally, we put up Christmas Eve. What? Is that a family I tradition or what's the reason for that? Yeah, yeah, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> just kind of it's nice. And then you leave it up through Christmas and the Epiphany when the wise men come and deliver gifts to baby Jesus on January 6th. I think it's like an old Catholic thing. Oh, it's January 6th. So then you, okay, wait a minute. I don't know we about this. And I grew up February 2nd. <laughs> Here's the I thing. Know. I went to Catholic school and I don't ever remember that. You remember that the three wise men brought the gifts to baby Jesus, right? And there's 12 yes. days of Christmas. Right. And the first day of Christmas is December 25th. So then you count yeah. forward 12 days. That's December okay. 6th. I see how that math works out now. But I don't ever remember that happening at my school. Um, that was kind of new to me. Well, I understand. I'm, 
Yeah, I'm I'm so I'm 40 and like 80s kids we didn't get catechized very well, but my it was my mom's old family tradition. So. Yep, I'm I'm oh. 39, so <laughs> I know how that yeah, goes. We're kind of in the same boat there. Uh, so let's talk about some of the uh, bills you'll be looking forward to next legislative session in the state of Missouri. Uh, is there anything that to you is a top priority moving forward? Yeah, for sure. So my first bill that I filed in the Senate and the one that I'm the most passionate about is making sure that the money that the state provides for kids can follow the kid to whatever school their parents think is best. Um, We continue to not move the ball forward. We're not getting um, a better result despite spending more and more money on our kids' educations. And parents need to be the ones who make the decision about what school is best for their kids. So That means that the parent can send their kid to any public school, to any charter school, to any private or parochial school, and they could even homeschool their kid and get a refundable tax credit um, up to the state-allocated portion of funding. So this has been done in Tennessee and in Florida. Um, A version of this has been done in Arizona. And I just, you know, parents need to be the ones who are in charge of what's best for their education. I think a little competition will help our healthy schools thrive and, you know, the kids are going to hopefully get some better results. Yeah. It's a tough situation in some of the different areas where people live, you have schools that have consistently failed. And I mean, there's, there's no nice way to say that, but historically over and over and over again, do not offer much for the students and it's no fault of the students. And a lot of times these situations when it comes to housing or whatever it is, it makes it difficult for their parents to move out of those areas. But this gives them an opportunity, if they really want to, to help their kid get the best opportunity possible in the best school possible if they're willing to travel a little bit longer. And I think a lot of parents are. I I think that's a fantastic thing that so many different states have taken up because it does put kids in the best situation the parents can possibly allow them to be in. And it gives the parents the opportunity to do that, which we should be doing. Well, and there's no other government service that we say you have to go to a certain building based on where you live. If you are on um, TANF, which is, you know, food stamps, if you have Section 8 housing, if you have unemployment benefits, if you have, I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on. Medic, you know, you can go to any medical provider who accepts Medicaid, um, we don't allocate services based on where you live in any other way. And so it just makes sense to me that we treat education in the same way we do higher ed. You know, if you're, you get a Pell Grant, you can go to any school you get accepted into. Right. And it makes sense. I think a lot of parents would take advantage of that. Uh, One of the hard things would be to, I guess, educate the parents to say this is even an option. So it, let's say that's something you're working on next year. How soon do you think something like that could actually be implemented if passed? Um, I hope in my eight years in the, in the Senate. <laughs> I mean, this is a pretty <laughs> radical idea for Missouri. We're not a first mover on many things, and we're fighting some perceptions from the rural legislators um, who the largest school districts or the school district is the largest employer. It's really the cultural hub, and they're worried that any sort of education reform is going to hurt their school. I don't know why, if the schools are as great as they say they are, a parent would ever choose not to send their child to that school. So I think it's kind of, I don't, it doesn't really make sense to me, that argument, but um, it's not Republicans and Democrats who are fighting over this issue. By and large, 
urban Democrats have been in support of expansion of charter schools and education reform because they see kids stuck based on where they live in a failing school, which is really their best shot of a future is a good education. So it is more of an urban, rural, suburban, rural issue than it is, um, you know, kind of Republicans versus Democrats. The other thing I think that we're going to see a lot of is um, initiative petition reform is a top priority for both caucuses in the House and the Senate. Uh, We have one of the easiest constitutions to change. Um, You just need one more vote than the other guy of whoever shows up to vote on that day. And so that's a little bit absurd. I was in the the Senate um, secretary's office, and she has framed above her desk the original Missouri Constitution that's got nine pages. Well, now it's like a book. I mean, I'm one of the few people maybe um, who I served with in the House who had actually read the whole Constitution. It just goes on and on and on, and it's got all kinds of silly things in there like gaming and now pot. and I don't know. It just, you know, let's. Let's keep the Constitution to the basic structure of what government should be, and then let's put the rest of the stuff in statute. So I think initiative petition reform we're going to see as a big push this year. Mary Elizabeth Coleman joining us here on 97.1 FM Talk. Yeah, there's a lot of priorities that people talk about, and I think every year there's always more ideas than there are time to debate or discuss these things. So you do have to be selective in what you decide to bring up. Do you find that it's easy to work with your uh, new colleagues, or do you think that uh, there's going to be any challenges uh, to be a state senator? So, I, you know, we it's no secret that the Senate has had um, some frustrating moments between Republicans fighting with other Republicans, and I think that's really unfortunate. I was I was really pleased to see that the conservative caucus disbanded and that we have, you know, just one Republican caucus. Um, and the senators-elect that are coming into the Senate, six of us served together in the House. Um, tri- uh, Representative Tracy McCreary, who's also who just got elected from St. Louis County in this area, uh, Representative Nick Schroer, um, Curtis Trent. I mean, these guys, we like each other and we get along. We don't agree on every policy. In fact, Tracy and I hardly agree on anything. But I trust her and I like her. And she's a fair broker. And that goes a long way, I think, in tapping down the frustrations. And so um, Jill Carter and Ben Brown, who also won their elections, haven't served previously. They'll be serving first and only in the Senate. But, um, you know, they're really good people also and are there because they work their tail off to represent their communities to try to make sure that Missouri was a better state for their constituents. So they're not there just to cause fights, Yeah, I think. Uh, um, so I feel really helpful. Um, going back, you served as a member of city council in Arnold for a couple of years, 2013 to 15. And you missed the exciting years of COVID when everyone came out to city council meetings. Do you think you would have enjoyed having people yelling at you at a city council meeting if you were still on that council? (laughs) Well, I have a lot of people yelling at me anyways uh, because of my positions on, um, you know, protecting innocent life that's unborn and for, uh, you know, standing up for the second amendment or thinking that parents should be in charge of their kids' education. So uh, maybe it's a little bit different because those issues often are nationalized. And so the people who are calling and complaining or angry aren't always constituents. 
um, I, you know, I do hope we have a return to civility. In some ways, if people think that government is going to be the ultimate savior, if it's the one that's going to solve everybody's problems, then people are going to react in these very, very strong ways. Um, so we kind of have to get back, I think, to a little bit more independence and people standing up for themselves and um, government staying out of other, you know, out of our business. So I don't yeah. think that there was much that happened in Jefferson County from a Arnold City Council that I would have voted differently. Um, by and large, the city imposed, I don't think they imposed any restrictions at all. Um, what was done was done by the county and um, Dennis Gannon, the county executive, really only had anything locked down. I think those very, very first few weeks when nobody knew what the heck was going on, Jefferson County was one of the very first counties in the state to open up fully. So, um, um, you no, know, having people scream at you isn't a fun part of, of taking your turn and, and holding the seat. But, um, you know, it does teach you a little bit of self-control. <laughs> Mary Elizabeth Coleman joining us here on 97.1 FM Talk. You have a law background. You went to St. Mary University School of Law. Um, it, let me ask you this, because you see individual states that take it upon themselves, Missouri included, that try to strengthen their state constitution or the laws for you know any challenges to religious freedom, any challenges to right to life, things like that. And you see a very active Supreme Court right now taking up a lot of different cases that could overrule some of these federal statutes that default back into the states. Do you see any future legal battles in the state of Missouri that you would want to re-examine to make sure we strengthen our position on those, considering the Supreme Court may default more of these back to the states? Well, you know, we have really led the fight on protecting the unborn and making sure that we have strong Second Amendment preservation, you know, protections. Last session, we passed the Second Amendment Preservation Act, which said that Missouri is not going to in any way, um, you know, we're not going to we're not going to be a tool of the federal government. The federal government can do whatever they want, but Missouri isn't going to do that. Um, you know, we've always had strong pro-life laws. So I think that, the, you know, I will also push back a little bit and just say our courts at the national level, our Supreme Court, federal Supreme Court, has been less active, not more than in previous years. So we have fewer and fewer cases every year being taken up by the Supreme Court. And um, they're just, for some reason, the press seems to love this idea of it used to be there should be a law for that. Do you remember there was even like a cartoon that every day there would be like, there should be a law for that. And it was somebody just being rude to another person or something you can't really <laughs> legislate. Well, now it's like, it's in the Constitution. You can't do that. It's in the Constitution. And the truth is, no, our Constitution at the state level is way too big, which is why I think we need some initiative petition reform. Um, and our Constitution federally doesn't say a heck of a lot because it leaves it up to the states to be able to to write statute that's appropriate for the various different states. And, you know, people can kind of vote with their feet in some regards if they don't like what the states are doing and they're not successful in their local elections. So um, that federalist system is really, I think, playing out and playing out well. We just kind of have a fundamental misunderstanding as a country about what is the role of the Supreme Court? And it's not to legislate everything we like um, and even to make up things that they should or shouldn't be doing. It's to be very firm and, hey, that's not the court's purview. It's not our job um, right. if it's not yeah. the statute as it's written. 
Mary Elizabeth Coleman, by the way, if people wanted to look you up online, do you have a website or anything like that where people can yeah, learn yeah. more about so, what you're doing? MaryElizabethColeman.com. Check me out there. Um, I'm on Instagram more these days than Twitter, but you can find me on Twitter, too, um, at M-E-A-C Coleman, um, or I think it's just Mary Elizabeth Coleman on Instagram. So we're putting up the Christmas tree, like I said, so there's some cute pictures of kids. We went and visited Santa this morning before the snow, the snow happened. Uh, so it's kind of a fun time to check me out on social media because the kids are pretty darn cute. Yeah, I don't know how this works on a state level. Uh, do you have like social media people that are trying to get you to do dances online? Because I mean, it's like everyone's thinking, okay, oh, you got to have a relatable politician. So they try to get you to play with the trends. I, never, I don't know if that works I like that. You. No, I would never dance. You don't want to see it. And I don't, I, we're good. Um, I, you know, I do have some people who help me with some of my social media, but um, it's really, it's me approving everything and, and, and putting things out and it's, I don't have an official side. You know, a lot of people will have, you know, uh, the attorney general is a perfect example. Eric Schmidt has his attorney general page and then he's got his own Twitter handle. That's just him where it's like Cardinals and kids, Cardinals baseball and kids. I just have my personal. So sometimes I talk about issues, but most of the time I'm sharing, you know, kid stuff. I think my, my 14 year old son told me I needed to update my Twitter handle to my, um, description to say like standard cringe mom bio because you read what I had before and was like, oh that's terrible. Well, the kids seem to know these things. I don't know how, but they do. And the more I find the trends change, it's just probably better to stay out of it altogether and not get caught up into it and just not to not ha to have to they feel like you need to fight it day by day to be relevant. Just be yourself. That seems to be the only thing that works. Well, and also, you know, Twitter's not a real place, so it's fine if you want to be on it for a little while if it makes you happy. But Instagram, Twitter, these things aren't real. So, you know, kind of maybe put your phone away a little bit and go enjoy your family. Well, uh, best of luck to you, and uh, please work hard for us here in Missouri. I know you will as a state senator. Mary Elizabeth Coleman, thank you for coming on to 97.1. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. Uh, we're going to talk to a former President Trump Pence EPA transition team member, Steve Milloy is his name. And I wanted to talk to him about what's going on in Oregon and Washington, because they are some of the latest states to say that we are going to outlaw gas engines in the future, right? They want the zero emission vehicles. So only new vehicles sold, I think by 2035, will have to have zero emissions. And I wanted to talk to him about that coming up after the break. We'll take a look at your traffic here as well. I'm Ryan Recker filling in on 97.1 FM Talk. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. 
Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. And welcome back. I'm Ryan Recker filling in. He was part of the Trump-Pence EPA transition team, founder of JunkScience.com. Joining us now, Steve Malloy. Thank you for coming on to 97.1. Appreciate it. Hey, Ryan. Thanks for having me. Did you work with Scott Pruitt in the EPA? Yes, I did. Okay. Well, I think a lot of people here in St. Louis are very grateful that the EPA moved forward on that Westlake landfill site. It was well needed yeah. to get that cleaned up. So I'm yeah. so it was fantastic because I know the EPA only takes on so many different projects per year. That Westlake landfill was one that was needed to be taken on <clears throat> and Scott Pruitt taking it on and making that decision with your guys's uh, advice. I'm sure I want to give a big thank you for that because it, it means a lot to St. Louis. Yeah. Well, thank you. Well, you know, Scott, Scott got a lot of great things started at EPA. Unfortunately, he couldn't finish his term, but that's the way it goes sometimes. <laughs> that's the way it goes. All right, so we're <laughs> focusing on Washington and Oregon. And California did this to a certain extent. I think California yeah. was the first state to say, well, in the future, we only want to sell zero emission vehicles, meaning electric vehicles. Yeah. By a certain time, you're only if you're going to buy a new vehicle, the new vehicle has to be zero emission. Oregon yeah. and Washington jumping in on that, too, as a state. And they're looking at in the next like 15 years or so, I think 2035, they want to transition. So only zero emission new vehicles are sold in their states. I wanted to talk that uh, because mostly when you talk about the environmental impact, I don't think there's much of impact at all making a move like that. Well, yeah, it's not going to have any impact because, uh, you know, the, the amount of emissions cut from something like that is going to be very, very small compared to, you know, global emissions. And, and that's if global emissions really drive climate at all. Uh, I, you know, I think these are just gestures done by these states, uh, done to move ahead their political agenda. I don't think they're, um, they're not well thought out. They're never going to happen. There's no way... Uh, that in California, Washington, and Oregon, they're only going to sell zero emission vehicles by 2035. Uh, it's just not going to be possible. The supply chain to do that doesn't exist. The electrical grid to do that doesn't exist. The economy to do that doesn't exist. Um, you know, right now we're we're totally dependent on China for EV batteries and uh, you know the the minerals and metals that. Uh, special minerals, minerals and metals that go into making EVs as well as wind turbines and solar panels. And I believe that uh, things are going to hit the fan with China way before 2035. Uh, these things are just never going to happen. 
Well, let's talk about that. When we talk about just the demand of what we see today when it comes to electric vehicles, it's very difficult to get your hands on certain parts. I mean, there's still issues with chip shortages. Nonetheless, now you're talking about electric vehicles. And from what we know, there's this kind of finite idea that we're not going to be able to keep up with the demand if they were to start to move in this direction. And it doesn't mean you wouldn't be able to go out and buy a used vehicle. So it, environmentally speaking, it's going to have no impact because you're still going to get a different vehicle if you can't find yourself an electric vehicle. But let's say they force the hand and the people start buying electric vehicles. Are they even prepared for that moment? And I don't even know if you could physically be prepared in the next 10 to 15 years to accommodate what your vision is. That should be a big tip off that this is. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, in California, where they are dismantling their electrical grid, <laughs> the fastest in the country. Um, so every every summer now they have, uh, you know, brownout warnings, blackout warnings, where they tell you, you know, unplug your car, or don't plug your car in. Well, how's that going to work when every but when all electric car, when all cars are electric, or you know, half of the cars are electric, or even ten percent? Um, you know, we just we don't have the infrastructure. Uh, the cars won't exist to start with. I mean, you mentioned the supply chain crisis we have right now. It, it's only going to get worse. You know, it's, it, you know, these states are pretending that uh, they're the, you know, they're the only ones that have this agenda to have an all all EV uh, fleet. I mean, I've done the calculations just for California. I mean, the increases in global mining of of you know everything from cobalt to copper to lit is just incredible. Um, and, and, you know, that stuff is not going to happen. And then when you think that, you know, it's not only Cal, you know, crazy places like California, Oregon, and Washington that have these, you know, EV mandates, there's all, you know, there's that whole continent of Europe. Okay, those people are nutty about this climate and electrical, electrical stuff, too. Uh, plus, we have all sorts of other electrification going on. Um, the grid is just not going to support that, especially as they dismantle it for wind and solar. It, the whole something thing is just not out That's why I think, it, it, you know, it's just a political statement. Yeah, something else. Um, so we know that the life of these batteries are finite. They don't last forever. So think about all the vehicles that are on the road right now in about 10 to 15 years from now are going to need new batteries. It's just the way that they age. Surprise, this law goes into action. All the old electric vehicles need new batteries, and they can't get enough for the new vehicles. What do you think is yeah. going to happen? Like, this is just a disaster that you can just predict is going to happen. Yeah. Well, where's all this stuff going to be made? In China? Yeah. Uh, I mean, who knows? We went, you know, if China invades Taiwan, uh, you know, we, you know what's going to hit the fan. What are they going to do? What, what's going to happen between trade, uh, trade between U.S. and China and Europe? And, I mean, the whole thing is just nuts. Yeah, it would be mm -hmm. one thing. You know, it would be, it would be reasonable, maybe, uh, you know, to sort of figure out a way to encourage people, not coercively, to move into electric vehicles if it, you know, if, if that even made sense. But, you know, just to say 2035, you're not going to be able to sell uh, internal combustion engine vehicles is just crazy. That's just, it's just yep. not going to happen. Yeah. Let's talk about uh, climate change in general. And joining us here is Steve Malloy, uh, former Trump-Pence EPA transition team member, founder of JunkScience.com. Uh, and I've listened to a lot of scientists discuss this. And specifically, they talk about the electric cars, they talk about some of these other initiatives, the solar panels, wind turbines, and they talk about 
how ineffective they are based on the dollars you spend. You always lose the investment on these things. They say if you really wanted to try to prepare for this, the wisest thing you can do is build up infrastructure for some of the different changes we know are coming. They said if you want to save lives, build on the infrastructure for seawalls and whatnot. Start to work on these sort of things. What you're doing is you're throwing money away right now based on the way the technology is. That includes electric cars. So in thought, it might be good virtue signaling, but in reality, it's not the wisest way to spend our money. Would you agree with that? Well, yeah, look, it, you know, the United States could stop using electricity today, and stop burning gasoline today and forever, and 90% of uh, global emissions are still going to happen. So nothing is going to be accomplished by cutting emissions. Uh, the rest of the world is not cutting emissions. We're not, in fact, cutting emissions. Nobody's cutting emissions. Um, you know, all this money we're wasting on wind and solar and batteries, battery technology, it's just making electricity more expensive. It's not accomplishing anything. You know, the pro one, one of the problems we have is that, you know, we have a lot of people now that have moved to coasts, especially like in Florida, and so now you, when you have a storm come through, like Ian did uh, this summer and wrecked Fort Meyer, well, it's very expensive. So, you know, possibly it makes sense to think of maybe some clever ways to make, uh, you know, infrastructure more resilient down there so that, uh, you know, it, 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 it's not so much. I mean, you know, if you get a direct hit from a hurricane, I don't think there's anything you can do about it. But they should make the infrastructure more resilient. And why not do that instead of wasting money on wind, solar, batteries, and the stuff that it, you know, is not going to change the weather? Yeah, now, you know, I'm just taking a quick peek at junkscience.com and your blog and some of your posts. And you were looking at some of these other headlines. And this is something else a lot of the scientists say that work uh, in the opposite direction. So trying to scare kids to say you're not going to live long enough to see adulthood because the Earth's going to burn is the wrong approach. Uh, People, for the most part, societies in general, as we see as a civilization, we're very able to adapt to some of the changes that come forward. But to say to a kid, hey, guess what? You're going to die and you're not going to be an adult is not the right approach to any of this. And you're right. Can I just say there's so much scaremongering out there with all of this that doesn't actually follow any of the science. It's just more of an extension of that because people take those scary headlines and then they try to legislate it like you see in California, Oregon and Washington. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think you know, adults. Uh, most adults don't pay, don't really pay attention to this anymore. You know, the New York Times did a poll over the summer. Climate was only prioritized by one percent of voters. Uh, it's a real problem, though, when they push this stuff on kids because kids don't know any better, and it's easy to scare them. And you know, ever since Al Gore, uh, Al Gore's movie came out in 2005, you know, this this junk has been in school, and they've been terrorizing children with it, and you know. Uh, Regularly now, you'll see newspaper stories about children having psychological problems from this. And, you know, the, the science is bad and the politics is evil. And then to force this on children is just is so reprehensible. It's beyond words. Let's talk one other thing I wanted to mention. It seems like depending on who's in power and a lot of times going back to the Obama administration and then again picking up with the Biden administration, they use the EPA as a tool, a huge power grab tool. And I'm sure you've seen this because they try to give them such broad authority over people's lives that it's, it's almost like their authority is endless. And the way they try to sneak it in through the EPA goes to show you that this is a real weaponized topic. And you got to be very careful 
and some administrations that continue to overpower the EPA to really take over people's lives. And I'm sure you continue to see that here and uh, in, in the, w- the way the EPA has been used under the Biden administration. Oh, sure. And the Biden administration is mirroring what the Obama administration did, especially with, say, coal. I, I worked in the coal industry, and, you know, St. Louis was a great coal town with Peabody and Arch Coal. And, of course, the Obama administration, when they couldn't get their climate legislation through Congress, they turned to EPA, and EPA destroyed the coal industry, forced Peabody and, and Arch Coal and other coal co- all the big comp- coal companies into bankruptcy. And so now we have with the Biden administration sort of the same thing. They, couldn't, they can't get their climate agenda through Congress, so now they're turning to the EPA, and that's what we're going to see over the next two years. And the EPA, you know, I've been working on EPA issues for more than 30 years, and I can't, I can't think of a time in those 30 years when EPA has been honest about the science. And, I'm, you know, I'm really concerned about what's going to happen over the next two years. Um, I know that my hand's full pushing back on these people, uh, and, and, I, I, and, and they do cause a lot of damage. I mean, you know, they, they wiped out half the coal industry. Obama wiped out half the coal industry, coal communities, coal towns, retirement accounts, coal companies, investment, just wiped them out. And nothing, you know, as far as the environment's not better off, the air quality is not better off, the climate is not better off. It was just totally gratuitous and a waste. Electricity is more expensive. Um, you know, these towns that were, you know, coal mining was the thing, uh, these towns are, are just wrecks now because, you know, there's no coal industry. Yeah. What was the EPA like when you were part of the transition team? What was that like working on that side after the Obama administration? Well, the transition team was great, but of course you get into EPA and, um, you know, they had this thing called the resistance and, you know, where you have EPA bureaucrats, you know, the, the permanent career workers, um, working against the Trump administration. So it was very difficult, took a lot of time, um, to get things done and, you know, they would sabotage them, delay them along the way. And it, it was a real problem. I mean, you know, we, we've heard people talk about the deep state. Well, you know, that kind of includes EPA. The EPA workers have their own agenda. Uh, it should be the agenda of whoever is the president. But when President Trump was president, that wasn't it. He, they still had the Obama agenda. Yeah, I was and, under the impression uh, it was all smooth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. And, 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 and these federal workers have these incredible, uh, you know, protections, civil service protections. You can't fire them. Hmm. Which is wrong. I mean, a, you can be fired everywhere else, but not in the federal government. Yeah, uh, or you just uh, move somewhere else. Hey, you know, and, and another positive path. Let's say you're working for the FBI; they'll just transfer you to Twitter or Facebook <laughs> and continue right. to work That's for. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then they'll they'll pay your salary too because they're paying they were yeah. paying Twitter money. Right? That's crazy. That's millions That's of crazy. dollars to Twitter. Yeah. Right. Okay. Uh, Junkscience.com. People can look you up on social media too. Where can people find you? Uh, I do a lot of work on Twitter, at Junk Science. Perfect, just like that. Steve Malloy, uh, JunkScience.com. Thank you very much for the conversation. I really appreciate it. Merry Christmas, everybody. Thank you. Bye-bye. Merry Christmas to you. Uh, Yeah, check out that blog. You can find them on social media. And uh, credit was due. I mean, for the longest time, there have been advocates trying to clean up that Westlake landfill site with all of the waste that was hidden underneath the layers in the scary thought of what happens when it gets into the water right there by the Missouri River. But think about the creeks that had all of these high levels of cancers, finding the Coldwater Creek, for example. It's very, very scary over the years to, to think of the damage and the people that were hurt because of that Westlake landfill. And forever, advocates were begging 
former administrations, please, please, please come clean this up. It wasn't until the Trump administration and Scott Pruitt that did that. And they made that a priority. And I'm glad that Steve Malloy was uh, able to come on so I can thank him for that. It was necessary. We'll do the audio clip of the day coming up after the break. I'm Ryan Recker on 97.1 FM Talk. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. That's Santa Cat. He knows what's going on. All right, we got one more segment here of the Mark Reardon Show. I'm Ryan Recker filling in on this cold, chilly day. And so much appreciation for Sue, who's been tracking all the different traffic accidents and what's been going around. I feel bad for anyone that's still stuck near uh, Lebanon, Cuba area as they travel and have been sitting there for hours and been forced to listen to this radio show. (laughs) Oh, I feel bad for you. You know, Sue, I have a it's a I want to do a cut of the day, but I feel like there needs to be a cut before the cut of the day to explain it. So let's do that. The audio cut of the day. And it's brought to you by Playback Ready. Now, the audio cut of the day. And it's uh, brought to you by the Goodfeet Store, comfort, energy, performance and pain relief at the Goodfeet Store. Now, the last couple of days, you've heard the story of the former pro wrestler Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Hacksaw Jim Duggan would wear only that blue Speedo and he would go out there with the American flag. He'd go out there with a two by four. He would give his ho and he would just kick butt. He was the all American down to earth. He looked like he could be your uncle type of guy. And I heard the story. I read the story, but it was really brought alive last night when Hacksaw Jim Duggan was on Fox News and he was joined on Tucker Carlson's program to explain exactly what happened. I wanted to play this for you. Yeah, I switched back to the old time days. I'm like, Arr! I grab him, I throw him <laughs> out on the front porch, you know, and I, I say, spread eagle, spread eagle on the porch. And I reach in, and, and of all the guns to have inside, I use it to scare off the coyotes and foxes from my, my ducks and chickens as a 44 Magnum. I got the 44 Magnum. It's a pretty intimidating gun. And I got him down on the ground at Spread Eagle. And he's screaming, help me, help me. They're trying to kill me. So now I'm thinking, well, this is not a home invasion because I, I first checked the back door to make sure nobody else was coming in. That was my first impression. It was a home invasion. Yeah. So I saw nobody else come in, and I pushed him down. He's screaming, other guys are coming to kill him. I can hear people out on the dirt road yelling, we're going to get you. So I had my wife turn off all the Christmas lights, you know, where I'm backlit. I'm holding them down. I got my gun. I said, nobody knows we're up here. Just be quiet. And my wife, God bless, she's on the phone with 911, almost in hysterics. Her her, uh, blood pressure was way up. And she said, send the fire department, send the ambulance, send everybody. So all the Kershaw County Sheriff's Department, they were great. They responded. But I tell you what, Tucker, as quick as it happened, it wasn't quick enough. People aren't happy to see a cop until you need one, buddy. And I'm standing there on the porch with a gun in my hand, two men out there yelling. I don't know who they are. I don't know if they have guns of what this guy brought to my house. So I'm waiting for the police. I'm waiting. When I first saw those blue lights, 
I was a happy man. All right. So that was Hacksaw Jim Duggan discussing what it was like to be relaxing in his home. Country wow. home. He's on like 10 acres or something off the road. And some dude comes banging on his door and busts through. And for Jeez. him to stop him with a gun and waiting for police. How, how uh, I was able to envision that in my mind, exactly how it played out, the way he was able to describe it. Yeah. Um, so much different than reading a news story. But I don't want to make that the clip of the day. In fact, the audio clip I want to play for you is a Hacksaw Jim Duggan song that was recorded in the 90s. What? That was produced by Simon Cowell from, you know, American Idol and what? whatever these other shows. So they used to make wrestling albums. And this would have been early 90s. There was a WrestleMania album that came out, which Hacksaw Jim Duggan's had a track on. What? And it sounds exactly what you would think a 90s wrestling album would sound like. Are you ready for this clip of the day? I, I, I think... We'll try. USA, the I want to make this the new theme song. All right, Sue. Pure 90s, it sounds like jock jams, doesn't it, a little bit? I, I'm unfamiliar with jock jams, but I'm sure it does. I think just the main lyrics of singing USA, that's all I need. That was produced by Simon Cowell, who now, of course, <laughs> is very crazy. famous for other reasons. But I would like to think if it wasn't for that album, he wouldn't have made it big. Well, I go ahead and think that. But I do <laughs> understand what you're saying. It's the uh, audio cut of the day brought to you by the Good Feet Store. <laughs> Tell me that song's not going to be stuck in uh, your head. It uh, probably won't be. You uh, already no, forgot about nope, it. Nope, I've died. It's, it's gone. Mm -mm. Poof. Gone forever. I, I love space stories. I, I follow space uh, not super close. So if you were to try to test me, I don't know if I would pass that test. However, if there's a space news story, I'm going to read it every time. Two things have happened recently that I thought were pretty interesting. You probably have seen one of the Mars landers. Insight has been retired. I saw this. And I love space stories too. I'm with you. Space uh, is so fascinating to me, and what NASA has been able to do to bring us photographs from foreign bodies is amazing. Absolutely amazing. Mm. And that new telescope that's up there, the James Webb, is just scratching the surface of what they're going to be able to discover. It's quite amazing. But it was up there for only about four years or so. And a lot of these missions, they don't plan to be multi-year missions. They just hope they're going to be multi-year missions. Right. They understand that the surface and everything else, the terrain, the atmosphere, a lack of atmosphere, will just beat up and destroy these machines. So they hope to normally get months out of these things. But sometimes they get years out of these rovers, and they're able to continue the teams on to discover and learn more things. And that's uh, kind of what happened to Mars Insight. Eventually, they run out of their power source. Sometimes it's solar power. Sometimes they have, you know, something nuclear on the inside that are that, that's running it. But eventually the power source ends. And if they're depending on solar on Mars, all you need is a brisk wind to blow some of that Mars dust over the panel. And there's no recovering at that point. So <sighs> goodbye and good night to that Mars rover. Aww. You know what? Whoever <laughs> wrote the copy about that, I, I read the copy, you know, talking about it, he was speaking or he or she, that person was speaking as the rover. It kind of, <laughs> kind of made me teary. It's like Aww. this is sending my last message. I mean, ah. Yep. You know what they do? They program those rovers to have a little mini speaker on it. You remember the old computers that always had that one little? It wasn't much of a speaker. It could just beep. 
Um, <laughs> they don't make those on new computers anymore that I know of. But Mm-mm. before they had like sound cards and all these things, they had like an onboard speaker and a lot of these old. So you can only do very crude sounds. Well, they had something similar to that on these rovers. And I don't know if you know this, but the rover sings happy birthday to itself on its birthday alone on Mars. Are you kidding me? They play the audio. Yeah. Oh, I love that. They play the audio on these things. Is that sad to you? No, I love that. It's very sweet. It is very sweet. And and watching, too, more space news, the International Space Station continues to dodge debris that's up in space. And this is only going to become a worse problem. Yep. When, When the space station's just flying around and doing its thing, other countries they'll launch junk into the atmosphere and Russia, China, India, some of these other countries that don't necessarily care what happens to the junk they put up there will just either spiral out of control and they'll lose communication with it. Some of it will plummet down onto the earth's surface and most likely land somewhere in the ocean, but some of it stays up there and they can't track it because it's too difficult to, and it's too small. So when the International Space Station comes whizzing by, sometimes they're in the path of this space debris and more Russian space debris hurled toward the space station. And it threatens their lives because of this. Mm. Isn't that something? It's nice. Russian space debris. Now they, they're trying to kill our astronauts. You know, I would say start war with them just over that. Oh, like, you know, forget, you know, Ukraine. Yeah, get it. But, you know, they knock someone out. They get an astronaut out from the space station. Then you start war and we can end this Ukraine thing real quickly as kind of like a byproduct. Well, that's probably uh, true. Uh, so that's what happens. The space station is going to be decommissioned, which is kind of sad. But we see all the private space agencies that are out there they're doing more and more i'm sure we'll continue science experiments that are up there i would never go up into one of these uh private ones it just scares me too much i think the blue origin or some of these other ones uh just had an unsuccessful launch so doesn't give me too much confidence to go up there space station at least has had a lot of great success over the years uh, but either way i'm sure there'll be more space stories uh sue it was great working with you today i'll look forward to doing it again tomorrow with you you got it ryan and you can find me online, anyone listening here. I have links to my social media, RyanRecord.com, another way to reach out. Enjoy the rest of your night. Stay safe. Stay warm on 97.1 FM Talk. He knows. Get more at 971talk.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during O'Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, oh, oh. 
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.